All right, take your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We started a series last week about living by faith. I'll say it again. Everybody's got faith. The devil's got faith, the book of James says. And if you're a believer, your heavenly father has given you a measure of faith, God faith. The Bible says that God has given to every believer a measure of his faith. You got it. But I'm going to say this again. There's a big difference in having faith, even using faith, and reaching the point to where you live by faith. We want to make the transition because the Bible is very clear, and this is our verse for this study, 2 Corinthians 5, the just will live by faith. We want to make the transition from just being a people who have faith and using it when we have a problem. We'll start living by faith. All right, today we're going to talk about the ultimate faith, which is ultimate faith. And this is simply when you reach a point to where you live an ultimate faith life. All right, let me lay it down for you here. <clears throat> How many of you want to live longer? Yes. I mean, like more than just a day. I do. I'm 64 and I'm making plans for 21 years. I often quote the book, the uh, verse from Joshua. I'm as strong at 85 as I was at 40. I'm making plans on living until at least 85. I don't want to be here much longer than that, but I want to make it to 85 and I want to be strong. You know, I don't want to be broke down. So I'll be as strong at 85. As I, but we make plans down the road. Everybody's looking down the road. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're, if you're planning on living more than just a day, have you sort of thought out there some? You know, like, like what you'd like to do or maybe business-wise or maybe some people say, well, I want to reach this age and retire and, you know, sit at Biscuit Bill and whatever you do. Or I want to move to the beach or I want to... Maybe you're young. You think about, what, could I launch a business? Some of you think about, do I, could I have a family? Some of you want to get married. God help you. But everybody looks down the road out there. You understand what I'm saying here? Everybody looks down the road. Right, let me ask you about your plans out there. I sat with a young girl last night. I had a wedding last night. I like to froze to death outdoors. And I sat with a young girl. She's 14 years old. And uh, she said, said, I know you're retiring, but said, will you come back and marry me 10 years from now? I said, 10? You got somebody picked out? She said, no. She said, but look at this. She pulled up her phone. She had her wedding dress picked up. Had a picture of it. She had the bridesmaids' dresses. She had the fire arrangers. 14. That's overthinking things right there. That's too much planning. But we all plan down the road. Let me ask you about the things you're looking at down the road, plans, whatever. I'll ask you just one simple question. Not are they good or bad. If you want to be a career criminal, bless you. Well, you know you won't be blessed. But I just want to ask you this. Are they your plans or are they God's plans? Your plans are his. It's never good or bad, dear ones. You might want to be a missionary to Guadalajara. Let me ask you a simple question. It's not is that good or bad. Is that your idea or his idea? Ultimate, here's ultimate faith. When you surrender your entire future to Christ. When you say, you'll tell me where to live. You'll tell me who my friends will be. You'll tell me where I'll work. You make all the decisions. That's the ultimate act of faith. And listen to me, that's an act of faith, isn't it? That's trusting somebody when you give them your everything. It's one thing to say, I'll be a Christian. I'll be good to people. I'll go to church. I, that's, that's okay. That's good. That's not ultimate faith. Ultimate faith means I never make another decision. You run everything. That's ultimate faith. And we're going to look at a man who did that. You ever heard of Abraham? Okay, three of us have heard of Abraham. <laughs> Tell me what's unique about Abraham. All the major world religions, the three great world religions, trace their lineage back to him. 
He is the father of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. All major world religions go back to him. He's the father of our faith. And I want you to look at what the Bible says about Abraham. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called by God to go out to a place. This is Hebrews eleven eight. He obeyed when he was called to go to a place he would receive as an inheritance. I just stop right there. He's minding his own manners. God comes to him and says, I want you to do what I tell you to do. And he did it. Now hold your finger. Turn back to Genesis 12. Let's look at the call. You need to see something here. Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was not a follower of God. He wasn't a believer in God. He lived in a, a place called Air in the Chaldees. They didn't know God. He'd never revealed himself there. They were clueless. You talk about God, they'd say, we never heard of him. But Abraham, God comes to this man. He says, I want you to do something. And this is where he came to him. It's in Genesis 12, verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, his name was Abram at the time, get out of your country, leave your family, leave your father's house to a land I'll show you. What if he did that to you? And you got to understand this culture was different. And our culture... It's not unusual for young people to pack up after college and move to California. You didn't do that back then. If your daddy was a farmer, you farmed with him. If your daddy was a potter, you pottered with him. Family was everything back then. And he had his own plans, just like you got your plans. All of a sudden, God comes and says, leave your family. Leave your land. Just come with me. Come with me. I watch what he said to him. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. You're going to help other people. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curse you. Let me make an announcement. This is a little side note. Verse three has never been taken out of the Bible. Be careful cursing Israel today. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. All right. I'll bless those who bless you. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Is that big or what? You just got an average guy here. And he says, follow me. Every family that ever lives will be blessed because of you. It happened because Jesus came through this man's lineage. Now, you got you to make a decision here. This guy's just come to you. This is a good guy. You got a family. You know, you're working with your dad. All of a sudden he says, drop everything. Leave. Walk away from your family. Leave your business. I'll show you where to go. And the Bible's most unusual thing, verse four, Abraham did what the Lord told him to do. He just packed up and left. His daddy didn't understand it. His mama cried. His friends thought he'd lost his mind, but he obeyed. Now turn back to Hebrews chapter 8. Let's read it again. Hebrews, excuse me, 11. Hebrews 11. Verse 8. Read this with me again. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. We just saw that. And he went out, watch these words, not knowing where he was going. How many of you can do that? How many of you can go into the future and have no idea what it holds? He went out having no idea where this God was going to take him. Let's do a little bit of verse nine. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise. You know what faith is? Ultimate faith. You'll decide where I'll live. You'll decide what job I'll have. You'll decide who I'll marry. I know a lot of folks wish they could go back and ask him. You'll decide everything about my life and you don't have to tell me what it is. That's living by faith. That's ultimate faith. Isn't that something in all of us that just sort of, if we don't want to be in control, we at least want to know what's coming. But most of us want to have a, a say. Amen. We want to plan our own lives. Right. Because ultimate faith has no say in the matter. 
Ultimate faith says, all to Jesus, I surrender. So ultimate faith is to surrender your future to Christ completely. All right, second thing I want you to know is this, and this is an announcement. A lot of religious folks that get ill from me saying this, you don't have to do this. He's not going to force you to do this. He's not going to be mad at you if you don't do it. Let me tell you something. You can still be saved, put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, and be a good person and not let Jesus run your life. He's not going to force you. You can live whatever life you want to. You, you can be a good person. You can go to church. You can tithe, yada, yada. And you can still get into heaven one day. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, a deal is a deal. I promise you this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can still get into heaven, but it's still your life. You get to live your life. And all of us, we get that crossroads. We've got to choose. All right? <clears throat> you got to make a decision. Everybody's got to make a decision in here. Two ifs. What if I were to do what this man did? What if I were to do what the Bible says? What if I were to just take my life and completely abandon it and say, Jesus, you're it. What if I don't do that? What if I decide I want to be the one to chart my future? And it's going to be, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to help people, but I want it to be my way. All right, two ifs. And uh, you need to know something about both ifs because Jesus, how many of you know we should, if we're going to make a decision, we need to sort of think about the consequences. America has forgotten that there are consequences to decisions today. You get to make your own decisions. You do not get to choose consequences. We need to think about that in this nation again. All right, listen to what Jesus said. If you're going to make a decision, you better think about it. Here's how he said it. What man intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost to see if this is what you really want, if you can finish it? So we all ought to look down the road and think about our decisions. Your life's just the sum total of your decisions period. All right. Number one, if you choose your plan and you choose to be the one to direct your life, there's two things you need to know from the Bible. Number one, it might go well with you. You might have a good life. I know a lot of people who make their own decisions. They choose everything in their lives and they've had good lives. You know, they've done good in business. They've made money. They've had good homes, pretty good homes. They've had pretty good lives. So it might go well with you, but you notice the operative word there, might. There is no guarantee for the future if you're driving the ship. Now, obviously, you know what the second thing is, don't you? Might not go well with you. A lot of people did the best they could and it didn't go well. A lot of people tried their best to have a great life for them and their families and it has not gone well. Uh, see if you agree with what God said in Proverbs 14, 12, when he said this, there is a way that looks good to a person, to a man but the end result is destruction. Amen. Boy, that makes me a little nervous right there. That tells me it can look so good and then it fall all apart on me. So the bottom line is there's no guarantee if you're driving the ship. That's the operative word is might. Might go good, might, go good, might not go good if you decide you're gonna run your own life. Um, let me explain to you why if you decide to make your own decisions, even if they're good, let me explain to you why he can't help you. And a lot of people don't understand this. My staff here don't get this. Bless their dear hearts. I try to help them. A lot of preachers don't know this. There's a reason he can't help you if you're driving the ship. Turn with me to John chapter three. Let's look at it. You need to know this. You need to get this and you need to hold on to this for the rest of your life. I want this written on your soul. John three. Every decision you make will either be your decision or his decision. Either he got to choose or you get to choose. 
Agreed? We make a thousand decisions a day. Every word I speak, I have to choose what to say. A lot of Americans have become masters at blaming somebody else. Bottom line is I get to make my own decisions. Now the question is in every decision I make, where am I going to work? What am I going to say? Who's going to be my friend? Either I made that decision or I let him make it. Bottom line. Now here's the verse that explains the difference. John chapter 3 verse 6 says this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. There's the deal right there. Now flesh here doesn't mean nastiness. Flesh means human origin. Human. That's you. Spirit here means God's in it. Ones, if an idea is born of the flesh, if it's born of you, if it's your idea, you notice there's no spirit in it. You're going to have to make it come to pass. If it's born of the flesh, you're going to have to make it work. What if it's born of the spirit? If it's an idea that's born of the spirit, the spirit of God's responsible for it and he'll make it work. That which is, if my plan is to do this, but it's my plan, there's going to be no spirit on it. That which is born of the flesh will never be spirit. If it's my plan, I got to make it work. I got to pay the bills. I got to make the business fly. I got to make this family do good. If I'm driving, I have to make it fly. But if I say, thy will be done. And he tells me what to do. That's born of the spirit. Guess what? He's responsible for it then. Because that which is born of the spirit will have the spirit behind it. I've got friends that started churches and they're just terrible. They're not doing well and they moan because they can't get them going. It's not because they're bad people. And the, what's, what's, the, what's the answer to every question? Why did you do it? And fell to me, said, well, this area needed a church. Wrong reason to start one. That means it was your idea. Therefore, you're going to have to make it fly. He said, we prayed and prayed. I said, pray all you want to. If it's born of the flesh, God's not going to touch it. If it's born of the spirit, he will make it happen. He's involved in it. So you need to know this about everything you do. It's not, is it a good idea? Is it a God idea? It's not, is it needed? Who cares whether it's needed or not? Is God in it? And if you'll let him make the decision, you can say, it's your decision. You're the one got to make it fly. You young girls, you're going to get married someday. Do not marry somebody because he's pretty. Look right here. I was pretty at one time. My high school, I won the thing. I figure what they call them for being the best looking, believe it or not. You have to look at the high school you went to. Well, <laughs> let me tell you what you do. Ask God, is this who you want me to marry? Because if you marry who God wants you to marry, he'll be responsible for making that marriage great. If you marry who you want to marry, it's on you, doc. If it's born of the flesh, flesh has to make it work. If it's born of the spirit, you can relax and say, he'll make this happen. Whatever it is, then it's either born of the flesh. It's never good or bad. Is this God or is this me? And we want to surrender everything to him. So you need to know that uh, very simply. You're rolling the dice. You got, listen, every one of you in here, especially younger folk, you got a lot of decisions to make out there. If you'll surrender everything to him, he'll be responsible. But if you decide you're going to make your own decisions, and I listen, I hope things go good with you. Even if you want to run your life, I still hope they go good with you. But you're going to have to be the one to make it good. He's not going to help you. All right, what should our attitude be about the future? Let's look at it. Turn with me to James chapter 4. You need to say this. Here's James chapter 4. If you'll find Hebrews, James is the next book after Hebrews. If you see First and Second Peter, make a U-turn. You've gone too far. James chapter 4. See if this is not what we 
teach our young people today or now we're teaching our old people. I was talking to a fellow the other day and he's getting ready to retire and he's thinking about moving to a retirement village. He said, we're trying to pick one out. I said, you better ask God where he wants you to go to. I said, don't be old. Just stay where you're at. Make it hard on your children. <laughs> I heard people say they don't want to be a burden to their children. I say, why not? Usually there's a burden to me when I was young. <laughs> James chapter four. See if you hadn't seen this before. Verse 13. Come now you who say today or tomorrow. This is James 4, 13. Come now you who say today or tomorrow. We'll go to such and such a city. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to buy, sell, make a profit. You got it? This is a man who's made a plan. He said, we're going to move to Atlanta. I'm going to open a car dealership. We're going to make money. He said, what's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. But can you say, he's saying, this, those who make their own plans, they plan their lives. Now, what's the problem with having a good plan for your life? I thought we should plan for our families and our futures. What's the problem with it? Well, the problem is in the next verse. When he says this in verse 14, whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. How many of you know the future? You don't have a clue. You might, have the, you might get the best education, have the best plan, best business plan, best whatever, and it still fall apart. You don't have a clue what's going to happen tomorrow. So what, what should we do? Well, that's in the next verse. Verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. If he wants me to start a business, a lawn care business, I'm going to do it. And guess what will happen? I'll have more work than I can keep up with. And we'll be safe and we'll do well and it'll help my family. If God wants me to marry that guy, I'm going to do it. Mama-in-law and all, I'm going to take him. Lock, stock, and barrel. And God's going to bless it. Can you see the two attitudes here? Good or bad is not in here. My plan versus his plan. That's all the ultimate faith is your plan. Not my plan. Okay, let's shift gears. But what if you do decide? What if you really decide everything? You call all the shots. You'll tell me what to do. You'll tell me when to do it. I lay down my rights and you make all the decisions, Jesus, everything. What's going to happen if you do that? There's three things the Bible says you need to know if you choose to let him do that. I think the word is Lord. If you choose it, there are three, listen to this word, guarantees. Guarantee. You said nobody can guarantee the future. Look right here. Yes, he can. He can guarantee your, he will guarantee your future. And these are some big guarantees I'm fixing to show you. This is why I sleep so good at night. The man can do what he said he could do. Three guarantees about the future if you let him run the show. Number one, you will be blessed. He will bless your life. This, this nonsense of religion that if you, if you give your life to God and follow him completely, he'll rip you off and he'll make you wear black dresses and wear your hair in a bun and sit around and watch. Over. You're nuts. They're nuts. Whoever told you that's nuts? This is probably the most off-quoted verse about the future. You've got plans for you. Guess who else has got plans for your life? Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for evil. To give you a future with a hope. What do you hear right there? I don't sound bad to me. That sounds good to me. Every one of you in this room, listen to me. There is a plan for your life. There's a detailed plan for your life. I'm going to show you the verse. I don't want you to ever forget this. Ephesians chapter 2. 
It's where the Bible tells us he has a detailed plan for every person's life. A very detailed plan for every person's life. All right, Ephesians 2. This is that verse that speaks to every human being. We said this. All right, I want you to get that because I want you to see this. Ephesians 2.10 says this. We are His workmanship. How many of you believe that? Yeah. Workmanship means I am the work of His hand. What's the next word? Created. How many of you, how many of you believe God created you? Yeah. How many of you believe the only reason you exist is because He wants you here? Right. Got to get that. We're created. All right, I believe I'm created by God. I don't believe He just created people and said, go multiply. I believe every human being is created personally by Him. The Bible teaches that. Psalm 139 before I knit you in your mother's womb, I knew you. He knew every single person. Matter of fact, the Bible says he knew you before time began. He created you in Christ Jesus. Now watch these words. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, good plans that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Can you see clearly that every created human being has a detailed plan for their life? And he prepared this plan before you were born. He got a plan for my life. He got a plan for your life. And if I decide to follow that plan, I will be blessed in what I do. And I'm going to show you a verse that bothers a lot of people. A lot of people have got this mentality that if I follow Jesus completely, I'll have to, I'll have to give up and have a suck egg religious life on this planet. But when we get to heaven, it'll be great. That's nonsense. You'll have a better life on this planet. I'm going to show it to you. Mark chapter 10, a lot of people fuss about this. You just read it and see what you think. Mark chapter 10 is a passage that, uh, this is not a parable. This really ha this was an actual event in the life of Jesus. A young man came up to him and he wanted to ask him a question. The Bible doesn't tell us the young man's name. Many people call him the rich young ruler. We know he was rich. We know he was young. I don't know where they got the ruler from because it doesn't say anything about him being a ruler. He was just a rich young royal guy. Maybe his family was royalty. Very wealthy guy. And he comes up to Jesus. He asked this question. He said, uh, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, do you keep the commandments? He said, listen to what he said. Every single one since I was a child. I can't say that. Can you? Heck, if I had somebody kept every commandment since I was a child, we'd make them an elder here. I'd probably make them preacher. <laughs> but this is a fine young man. He went to church, synagogue. He kept every commandment of God. He, you won't find a better person than him. And he said, I've kept everyone. And Jesus said to him, there's one more thing you got to do. I may have you know once you've kept every commandment, there shouldn't be one more thing you got to do. But Jesus said to him, there's one thing you're missing. There's one area you're missing it because he saw the man's heart. And he said to him, I want you to go liquidate everything you own. I want you to sell everything you got. Come walk with me. Follow me. And this young man who went to church every Sunday, kept every commandment, said, I can't go that far. I can't give you everything. And the Bible said he turned around, he walked away sad. And the Bible said Jesus loved him. And then Jesus turned to his disciples. He said, it's really hard for people who are wealthy to follow me, isn't it? And they talked about that a little bit. And then my friend Simon, this is why I love Simon so much. He's the one who will speak up and ask what everybody else is scared to. In, in Mark chapter 10, we'll look at this, Mark chapter 10, verse 7. 28, Peter said to him, we left all and followed you. You hear what he said? Jesus tells this guy, I want you to sell everything you got. 
I want you to let me make every decision in your life and follow me. He couldn't do it. He said, I'll go to church. I'll be good. But I can't give you everything. And uh, so he walks off and they're talking. Simon said, I did it. What do I get? Oh, you got to love this guy. I think like him. Go ahead and say it if you're thinking it. He knows you're thinking it. Simon said, what's in it for me? Because I've done that. Do you remember? How many of you remember this? Mark chapter one, Jesus walks up to a guy named Simon. He's a commercial fisherman. He said to him, follow me. Simon dropped his nets, walked off. He didn't have a boat. He had boats. He had people working for him. He didn't even liquidate his business. He just turned around, walked off, said, where have you taken me? I'm going. He surrendered his life completely to Christ. Now, this is the verse that causes people trouble. Look what Jesus said after that. Verse 29, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, there's nobody, that nobody means you too, friend, who has left house, brothers, sister, father, mother, wife, children, lands, the word lands could be business, for my sake in the gospels, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. The Bible said houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, persecutions, there's going to be some bumps, and then eternal life. What did Jesus say? You surrender everything, follow me. I'll give you back a hundred times as much in this life. Amen. Relationships. Didn't he mention relationships? How about houses? I wake up every morning telling him, I thank you for the home and the land we've got here. I never dreamed I'd live in something this nice. What did he say? This mess of follow me and you'll have to do without sounding me like follow me and you'll have more in this life. Sure. hundred times. Now he, he said, well, yeah, but what about the persecutions? Look right here. You got to deal with crap no matter who you follow on this planet. So you might as well follow Jesus and get some good out of it. And then what little minor detail did he stick on the end? How about eternal life? What did Jesus say right here? I want you to let me make every decision. I want you to let me run the show. I want you to hand me a blank check. If you'll do it, I'll give you back a hundred times this life. A lot of people argue with that. Right there it is. Jesus made it real clear. I'll give you back better. I think I've told you about the deal he made with me. Came time for me to get married. I mean, it wasn't like I had a set date approaching or nothing, but you know, you're just a certain age, you're getting out of college, it's time to get married. And I wanted a wife. And, uh, but I was nervous because I'd been taught, you've got to ask God who to marry. Well, that made me nervous because I'd seen what he'd given other preachers. I'm not being unkind. I just saw them. I didn't want to be married to some woman that played organ in the house. Had a bouffant, looked like a beehive hair dude. Wore cat eye glasses. I didn't want to do that. I would marry somebody kiss good. And I was nervous. I said, you know, I'm in between a rock and a hard place because if, if you ask him, then you've got to marry who he says. That's all right, rebellion. But if you don't ask, maybe you can get forgiveness. A little I'm not sure. I'm, I'm young. I'm trying to learn all this stuff. I finally said, this just shows you human nature. I said, that will be done. I'll marry who you say to marry. Amen. Dang it. That was my attitude. Praise God. She don't play the organ. She don't wear her hair up. She ain't got no cat eye glasses. She's good looking and she can rock the house. I love mom. I, he just said, see there. I told you a hundred times as much. Wives, didn't it say a hundred times in a wife? A lot of guys want to trade theirs in. You should have asked him. <laughs> the point is he is good. Why do we wrestle with this man? Because he's good. But the Bible said he guarantees blessed beyond measure. Number one, you let him run your life. He will bless you. Number two, you will find joy and contentment in this life. Why are we all running around like Mick Jagger Jr.? 
78 years old and he still can't get no satisfaction. It's nuts. Why is America so discontent right now? I thought if we had a bunch of stuff, we'd be happy. Surprise. You know why Americans are so discontent? Because we are at war with the God who made us. And I'm going to tell you something. You say, I don't care. You make the decisions. You say, what will he make me do? That's not the issue. I tell you this, he will make you content. He'll bring joy to you. Here's my favorite verse on that matter. You chew on this verse right here. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Let me quote the twin to it. I delight to do your will. Your plans are the desire of my heart. Your heart will never be happier than when you're in the center of his will. You will never find more contentment. I mean, you just, if you want to be happy, he's a great happy maker. How, people say, well, don't all, listen to the verse. Happy is the man whose God is the Lord. Amen. What part of that do you not understand? <laughs> Why do you think we're so miserable? He ain't your Lord. To say, it's not your old lady, it's you, Bubba, standing in the need of prayer. I shouldn't have said that. Number two, you'll find joy in life and contentment. You say, but nobody can find joy today. Yes, they can. He's up. Number three, you'll live your life in peace now and in the future. That's the great missing element in our land today is peace of heart. You want peace on the inside, put the man in charge. Peace comes from thy will be done. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Uh, a lot of people are nervous about the future. I hear Christian preachers talking about this. What are we going to do in the future? I just want to say, you need a bigger God, Bubba. Put your future in his hands and go to bed. It's that simple. It really is. I don't want to show you a great prompt. Some of you got to raise kids and send them to college. You need to see this. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. In case you're a little concerned about the future. A few pages to the right. Luke chapter 12. Here's your future. Dear ones, if you can't trust this man to do what he says in Luke 12, then you can't trust him to do what he says in John 3, 16, throw the whole book in the garbage. You can trust this man. He will do what he said he'll do. And he'll do it for you. Let me throw this in while you're turning. A lot of people say, well, I've screwed up. Welcome to the human race. A lot of people screwed up big time. So I've missed all my plans for him so far. It is never too late to stand up and get on the road. Matter of fact, I've had people say to me, well, I married the wrong person. No, it wasn't his will. Do not change. Listen to me. He factored in your miss. He still knows what to do. He can still get you there. Some people say I'm too old. Let me go back and finish the verse. We read where Abram decided to follow God and went out not knowing. The rest of that verse says he was 75 years old when he started. He never knew God's name until he was 75 years old. He said, boy, he sure did a lot with him in a few years. You'd be surprised what he could do if you'd get your hands off of it. Who's the greatest human being that ever lived has affected this planet more than any human being that ever lived? What's his name? Jesus. He did everything he did in 36 months. It don't take him much. I want you to read with me. Luke 12, 22 says this. Therefore, he said to his disciples, who's he talking to here? Not Christians, not folks who go to church, disciples. What's the mark of a disciple? Jesus is Lord of everything. You've handed it over. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. I'm done. I'm finished. When I decide to be a disciple, I never have another word the rest of my life. And then what he said right there, don't worry about your life. Because you're my disciple now and you're going to follow me. I'm responsible for everything in your life now. You have no concern about the future. You don't need to worry about money. 
You don't need to worry about anything. I'm in charge now. And then he, uh, let's read the rest of it. Don't worry about your life. What you'll eat with the body, what you'll put it. Isn't that what everybody's upset about today? What's the number one issue with most voters today? Economy. People are worried about our economy. Look right here. If you don't know Jesus, you need to be worried about it. I can remember years ago, a preacher saying, if gas goes to $5 a gallon, I'm trusting him. Looks like you better learn how. What do you say right there? Put me in charge. You'll never have to worry about finances again. I'll take care of all that too. And then he goes to me, he said, and he said this, I take care of the birds, don't I? I plant the flowers, don't I? And then here's the call. Verse 29. Do not seek what you should eat or what you don't live for that stuff. Do not have an anxious mind. Do not worry. All these things the nations of the world seek. Isn't this what everybody else lives for? Your father knows what you need in your life. Now listen to me. That doesn't just mean your financial needs. Look right here. He knows the needs of your heart. He knows the needs of your relationship. He knows what you need in a relationship. He knows everything every part of you needs. And he said this in verse 31. You seek the kingdom of God. You surrender your life to me and just do what I want you to do. All your bills will be paid. Your relationships will be fulfilling. Your life, you'll have everything you want. Put me first. Let me run the show. I'll take care of everything. You got a better guarantee than that from anybody? You can't even find your car keys half the time. And then I love to throw, a lot of people quit right there. Verse 32 says this, don't ever be afraid, little flock. His joy is to take care of you and give you what you want. It's his joy to give you the kingdom. He loves seeing me happily married. He loves seeing me enjoy the outdoors. He just loves it when I catch fish. His fish. He loves seeing me get along with people. He loves seeing me happy. It's his joy to give me the kingdom. Let the man run the show. All right, three things you're guaranteed. You notice I said the word guaranteed. All right, let me quit by saying this. All of us are on a little journey and some of us have been on this thing long enough to look back and see where we've been and go, whoa, 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 whoa. And everybody makes a lot of decisions, but there comes places in your life where you have those big crossroads. And those are days where you have to make the big decisions. I've had three or four in my life. Let me tell you what happened. I'm a young man and I'm a hellion. I was, I was just very rough. I was headed to prison or hell if I'd kept living like I live. And one day God confronted me and he said, you got to make a decision. You're going to follow me or you're going to follow Satan. Life just boils down to Jesus or Satan. And, uh, I don't know why, but in his, I think even in his great kindness, he helped me. I said, I'm going to follow Jesus. I hadn't been the greatest follower, but I did decide I'm going to quit following Satan and I'm going to follow Jesus. And I tried to do it best I could. So I began to follow Jesus. That was my first great crossroads. And it was, let me make an announcement. Good decision. Amen. Things are going better. If I'd have followed Satan, I'd have been, at best I'd have been in prison now, or I'd have been in hell. Following Jesus has done good, done me good. Amen. All right, number two. Then I, about a year and a half after that, I got to make another big decision. What am I going to do with my life? Because you know, you're young, you got to decide what you're going to do. Okay, not everybody can be Jimmy Buffett. Somebody's got to go to work. So I decided I got to do something. And uh, I thought about it and I decided I'm a Christian now. I'm teaching Sunday school now just after being saved. I said, I'm going to be a highway patrol, a state trooper. That suited me because I love being outdoors. I can't stand to be indoors. If I wasn't married, I wouldn't even have a house. I just live in the woods. And then I just love being, I get to be outdoors if I'm a trooper. Plus, get to drive like a maniac. You drive crazy. You never see a trooper pull a trooper over. I mean, we just have a grand time. 
You get to race. It's their gas. They pay for it. Hot rod car. You get to fist fight and it's legal. This is, this is sounding better. All oh, that's right up my alley. That's just my personality. Plus, North Carolina's always had the sharpest looking troopers. Got them good looking uniforms. And, and you got me this back in the 70s. This poor policeman had to start carrying them goofy little black plastic pistols. I'm sorry if you carry one. This back when he carried chrome revolvers. I mean, Clint Eastwood looking stuff. That's good here. I thought, that's right there. Amen. I'll be a Christian trooper. You can do both. Be a Christian patrolman. Amen. Had my plan. So I enrolled in school, started going to school. And I'm giving my testimony at places and people started saying the ugliest, most hateful things to me. I'd get done, they'd say things like, I believe God wants you to be a preacher. <laughs> I'd just smile inside. I'm thinking, I'll slap you naked. I ain't going to be a preacher. I would have rather died young. I'm serious. The thought would just repulse me. Well, I'm trying, you know, I'm in school and I'm going on all of a sudden, you, you like me, don't you? You wouldn't do that to me, would you? All of a sudden, it starts bearing down on me. I want you to be a preacher. Boy, I went into a depression. I'm being a little cute, but it's hard because I did not want to be a preacher because I'd seen how they live. And here's, here's, I'm at a crossroads now. I was going to be a Christian, be a good man, but I was going to do what I wanted to do. But I knew that's what he wants you to do. Now I'm at a crossroads. You got to make a decision. I got these two pictures, like these cartoon things. I see this, man, this good looking uniform, got that got my gun driving like crazy. And over here in this picture, I see this fat guy because all preachers get fat after a while wearing a cheap polyester suit, sitting at a table discussing with about five or six old hens who's going to bring the potato salad to the missionary meeting next Tuesday night. I almost reached over in this picture and borrowed his pistol to shoot myself with over here. I could just thought, I don't want to do this. I just, I, that's what life was. I'm thinking, I'm going to give up my car and my pistol and put up with a bunch of old hens crabbing all the time. If you're one of them hens, I'm sorry. But you know what it is? The war was on. Day and night, thy hand was heavy on me. I got, I got so miserable. Started going to class one night. I just couldn't go in the door. I just turned around, went right back up. The parking deck went on the top of the parking deck cold January night looking out over the city of Charlotte I just stood there and I said I don't like this you can talk listen break with the religious talk pour out your heart to him the Bible said I said I don't like this nevertheless your will be done I'll preach and that moment all that left and the quietest peace came over me you know why the war was over run up to white flag the war be over and so I became a preacher. <laughs> you know, the truth of the matter is my personality, I probably got shot first day on the job. <laughs> so God's been good to me. So I went to the Baptist college to learn how to be a Baptist preacher because we was Baptist. A couple years down the road, I came to another crossroads. He came to me and he said, now you, I want you to make a decision. You're going to be a Baptist preacher or are you going to follow me? I'm not knocking Baptist at all, but you got to understand something. Every group trains their preachers to be like they want them to be. You know, Baptist preachers are a certain way. Yep. Methodist preachers are done to be a certain way. Catholic? I ain't never going Catholic. I ain't wearing a dress. And I ain't wearing no trash can on my head.
And I am not about to give up my wife and go sell it, but just to make some old man in Italy happy. That ain't about to happen right there. You can forget that, bub. I'd go Pentecost before I'd do that. And I'm not, I just, but see, my thing was to be, a, I was going to be a Baptist preacher. I was in the system. I was doing well in the system. I was taking care of for life in the Baptist system. It's really pretty easy once you get in. And I had a natural gift. And he said, I want you to follow me. And I thought, you're fixing to wreck my retirement. I'm taking care of her. I had it all laid out. He said, follow me. I could just see myself preaching in an empty gas station for the rest of my life. Because <sighs> let me tell you one thing you cannot do with him. You cannot say, tell me what it's going to be. Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. You got to trust him. And I made the decision. I said, fine. Fine, sir. Yes, sir. And I went out. And uh, let me tell you what happened. All right, that's been years now. Oh, sometimes older folks need to speak to younger folks about, let me tell you what he'll do for you. I've had the greatest personal life. I wouldn't trade my life with anybody. I am one happy human being. Hadn't been perfect. I've screwed up. But I am a happy man. Family. Always heard if you follow Jesus, become a preacher, your family will go through a hard time. Mine hadn't. My kids would never know where I worked if they didn't go to church with me. Church bent, this has never affected my family. I've been blessed in family because he said he would. My churches have done well. Mark Walker, who was a, our congressman, Mark's a Baptist minister at one time. He told me one day, he said, y'all don't do nothing right here. He said, you've thrown the book. Well, you don't do nothing right here. He said, but it sure is working, isn't it? And I said, it is no secret what God can do. And uh, financially, I said, you know, be a preacher, you're going to be poor. I'm not poor. I never believed that either. You'd be surprised what we believe that's not in the Bible. Here's my, here's my testimony. He has been much better to me when he drove the boat than I could have done. In every area. Right, I'm at, my, I'm at my, probably my last major crossroad. I'm leaving here. And uh, once in a while somebody said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't have a clue in this world. I keep mentioning to him that they're, you know, they're looking at some guys that's getting close. Just want you to know that. Don't bother him one bit to make me wait. Let me tell you what I'm going to do after I leave here. I'm going to do whatever he says and do. It don't matter to me. I'll preach again. I'll drive a bus. Heck, I'll go to work at Taco Bell and I wouldn't dare eat there. It don't matter to me. I'll do whatever he says. I am going out not knowing where I'm going. I don't have a clue about tomorrow. I'm at the point in life now where I say, I don't want to know. I know you. I know how you are. But I can guarantee you this. I'll enjoy it. And somebody's going to get helped. And I'm going to have a blast because he's good. I'm telling you, if you let him drive the boat. All right, I'm going to quit. We're going to pray. Ultimate faith is to say, all to Jesus, I surrender. Now, listen to me. You can't fake it. You don't need to tell me. You don't need to tell your wife, your husband. This is at heart level between you and him. This between you and him. And uh, matter of fact, you, you just reach a place where you say, I don't care. Whatever you say. I don't care how crazy it sounds. Just know this, dear Jesus. Right here, sir. Here's a blank check. You fill it in for the rest of my life. Everything. Now, if you ask this question, what do you think he'll want me to do? I know the answer to that. I don't have a clue and you don't need to know. You got to trust him. But I will tell you this. Everybody look right here. He will do better for you than you will do for you. 
I mean, some of you, my God, you ought to get on the boat today. You ain't doing so good yourself. <laughs> All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I, see my know, what does freely mean? He's not going to force you. I've been married over 40 years. My wife can walk off today if she wants to, and I won't stop her. I don't want her there because she has to be there. I want her there because she wants to be there. She can leave me tomorrow. It does matter to me, but I'm not going to stop her. I, I'm not going to tell you you've got to obey him or something bad will happen. You might have a good life, but I'm going to tell you this. You surrender all, he'll have a better life for you. True. He's that good. I mean, let him run the show. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. It's all about trusting God in his presence daily live. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you and praise you. You created this planet. You created everybody on it. But you gave us all a free will. I think that's one of the most dangerous things you ever did was to give people a free will. Give them the right to disobey you and do whatever they want to do. Knowing what it would do to us. But that was the only way you were going to get sons and daughters that loved you, isn't it? Because if we're forced to follow you, there's no love in that. I want to pray for every person in this room that they will hear your word this morning. That ultimate faith is to be like Abraham and say, I don't care where we're going. I have no idea where we're going, but I'm going with you. I'll work where you tell me to work. I'll hang around who you tell me to hang around with. I'll watch what you tell me to watch. Whatever you say. Dear God, the war is over. I'm running up the white flag. Take over. I'll do the best I can. Get up every day, do the best I can, and leave the rest to you. But this war is over. And I surrender all to you right now. Father, for those who struggle with this, keep them in the struggle. Sort of like a marble rolling around in a shoebox. Let it be on their minds all week this week. It's either my plan or his plan, my will or his will. I want to thank you and praise you that you're so good. I'll never stop asking, why do you keep chasing us? Why do you care what happens to us? But I thank you for every more that you do. Thank you there's not a person in this room, anybody listening, anybody anywhere that you don't have a personal plan for. And it will be good. Father, I've never met one person in my life that truly followed you that didn't come back and say, oh, Look what God has done for me. So I pray for every person in this room, everybody listening by internet, Thy will be done. Don't turn them loose, Jesus, until you get them right where you want them to be. I want to thank you for the war. In your great kindness, you will not turn us loose. Man, I feel like we need to pray before we leave. Is Jesus the Savior of your soul? Do you know for certain? You know for certain if you fall over today, He has saved your soul and you're going to heaven. Don't risk it, friend. Eternity's too long. That is too big a risk. <clears throat> Seated right there where you're at. If you want to make Jesus your Savior, put your faith in Him. What He did for you at the cross, pray a simple prayer with me right now. Dear Jesus, You're the Son of God. You died on that cross for me. But you rose from the grave because you're God. I believe you're coming back one day. Or either I'm going to stand in front of you. I want to settle this thing. 
I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and take them away. And today I make you the Savior of my soul, Lord of my life, best friend. I accept you today as my Savior and I accept the gift of your salvation. Today, Jesus, I put my faith in you. You're my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for speaking to me and telling me this is the big decision. I'm going to trust you forever. I really don't know what to do now, but I'm trusting you to show me. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Now, folks, why don't we go a little bit further here? This is just between you and him. I don't need to know. Nobody else knows. It's between you and him. Who's running the show? Who's calling the shots? It's your choice, but he is good. Won't you do what I did on that parking deck years ago? That cold night, I can still feel it, still see the stars. Looking out over us, I still remember just saying, I don't like this all the time. But I'm done. No more war. You call all the shots. Thy will be done. I'll get up every day and do the best I can and leave the rest to you. Friend, won't you do that? The man will be good to you if you'll be straight with him. Father, I want to praise you and thank you. All you have ever done was sacrifice to be good to us. And why we wrestle with you is a mystery to me. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the Savior. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for my friends. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen and amen.